Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 86, Sunday Fun Day. It's Classico weekend. So we got five big rivalries. This weekend we have derbies going down. Some more lower profile ones like, for instance, Toronto FC against CF Montreal and Austin FC against Houston Dynamo here in the MLS. Prince play against Trois in a Ligue 1 derby. Spartak Moscow play against Zenit St. Petersburg in a Battle of Giants in the Russian Premier League. But this weekend we have some big, big, I mean huge games, high profile teams and rivalries. It's going to be so much fun. Man United versus Liverpool, Marseille versus PSG, Inter versus Juve, Ajax versus PSV, and of course Barcelona versus Real Madrid. That's a tasty Sunday. Yeah, all of these matches are on Sunday. So if you've got nothing to do but watch and record games and keep up with everything, enjoy. I, I will try to do something along those lines because I think it's going to be fun to check back next week as long as the storylines kind of explode. Who knows? I mean, we may have five duds. Hopefully not. So let's start in Holland. Probably the lowest um, profile of all these, but the one that's going to be talked about the least, but still a really big game, where Ajax lead PSV by one point in the Eredivisie. They have 22 and 21 points, respectively. Uh, both have been beaten in the league this season, so it's not like there's they're just running away with it entirely, although these two will be the only ones battling it out at the end, providing they stay close together. They did have contrasting weeks in Europe. Uh, Ajax thumped Borussia Dortmund 4-0 in the Champions League on Tuesday, a result that I don't think anyone really saw coming because though Ajax are good and we love the way they play and everything, you kind of expected a Borussia Dortmund with Erling Holland to do more than nothing. Look, Dortmund are not a very good defensive team this season. Marco Rosa has really struggled to find a solid base from which to work, and they're very Erling Holland dependent, and so when he doesn't score and they play a side that's very good at essentially cutting you apart. If you're not defensively sound, you're going to get blasted, and that's exactly what Ajax did. Dusan Tadic, I mean, he's just evergreen. He looks incredible. Sebastian Aller keeps scoring, which really does confuse, I think, a lot of Premier League fans and especially West Ham supporters because, you know, he, he was borderline useless in England. Excellent at Frankfurt, came to England, total dud. Goes to Ajax. And remember, he actually missed out on the European campaign that they had in the spring because Ajax messed up and didn't add him to to be a registered player for their squad. So he had to sit out Europe until this season, and he has exploded since. He had four goals in the first match day. Remember that. So really, really, really exciting Ajax team. Now, PSV, they lost 2-1 in midweek to Monaco in on Thursday in the Europa League. And so... You may be thinking, well, they lost to Monaco and Ajax beat Dortmund. There must be a pretty big gap between these teams. The thing is that Monaco is a very strong side, probably should have found a way to qualify for the Champions League based on their form last season, and they also had a difficult qualifier. I forgot who they lost to, but that's a tough opponent, and it was a very, very tight game. In the end, Monaco come out on top. PSV were at home, but I think just... That one just will give them more motivation and fire for this big crunch match this weekend. I don't think their confidence is going to be all that dented from it. I think they're really going to come out and go for it. So this this could be a really, really exciting game. Shout out to Mario Goetze and uh, Marco Van Ginkel, who 
have really resurrected their careers. Goetze obviously was the starlet of the Borussia Dortmund team that Jurgen Klopp put, assembled all those years ago. And Marco van Ginkel is a player who was at PSV, showed a lot of promise. Chelsea signed him. And then even though he was a player that was meant to get minutes and not just be loaned out, he ended up getting injured a couple times. He was a huge uh, favorite of Mourinho's. And then he started going out into the loan system. Chelsea even extended his contract by a year a couple years ago just to make sure the guy got paid because they liked him so much. So it's nice to see Van Ginkel back playing again. He's at his hometown club, and he's an integral part of this team that's fighting for titles. And I think I think that's great. It's a nice story. All right, let's move on. Let's travel a little bit south to the south coast of France for Le Classique. Yes, this is the French Ligue 1 tie, biggest rivalry in France. PSG against Marseille. And, okay, look, this isn't like the classic ones of the 70s, 80s, and 90s where these two teams not only hated each other but actually were battling it out for titles. PSG are so far ahead. I don't even remember the point totals. There may be, eight, there may be nine points clear already. PSG will run away with the league this season. From game to game, they may struggle. They may have matches where they play awful and they maybe lose to some Ligue 1 team that's hyper-motivated. Or, you know, they play against a really good side that just manages to get the better of them. But over the course of 38 games, they're winning this league title because no one else is as strong as them, obviously. Now, what I look at when I see this game is it's going to have obviously a lot to do with how PSG's star power plays and how they're organized tactically as well. But the atmosphere of this is really what's going to do it. I think that Marseille, especially managed by Jorge Sampaoli, who's one of my favorite coaches in history, just from that time when he was in charge of Chile when they were winning the Copa America, I just adored him there. He almost became a Chelsea coach at one point, and I think he decided against it because he didn't speak English well enough and was worried that he would pretty, pretty much be sacked in just a few months. Um, but... Look, Marseille, they have the best squad they've had in a while, really. Names like Matteo Ganduzzi, Cenkis Under, um, Conrad De La Fuente, Arcadius Milik, Dimitri Payet, of course, and uh, Amadou Dieng. I mean, all these guys are strong, good players, and they have a lot of options, different, different players that they can bring in, some who are really in a position in their careers to make a name for themselves. And what better time to do it than when you're going to play against PSG and the M and MDM. Yeah, that's uh, Mbappe, Neymar, Messi, and Di Maria. Uh, and then the other question is Pochettino, because he hasn't really got a tune out of this team yet. And it looks a lot of the time like they attack with four, they defend with six, and that's just the way it goes. And it, it, There's something similar to the way Man United play in, in the way PSG are going right now, which is strange from Pochettino. You kind of would have expected him to really have a handle on the group in a tactical way. So it's going to be fantastic game I mean really excited for the football but the big thing we have to be worried about here and the real concern is crowd trouble because look Marseille players they got into it with the Nice fans I mean if you saw these scenes pitch invasion uh bottles and things being thrown at the players Dimitri Payet throwing one back all hell breaks loose players are going on the field and literally fist fighting against the fans who have who have stormed in uh Ligue 1 has had seven incidents in the first nine weeks of the season in terms of crowd trouble. And and I mean, there was something happened in the Lille versus Lens, the Northern Derby. It, it, it's been bad and it's been happening consistently. And this is not a good advert for the league when all of a sudden you've got that M&MDM strike, port, uh, 
strike partnership and strike force, I guess you, I guess you could say. But really, th- this is a tense situation because this is the biggest rivalry in the country. It's the biggest rivalry in the league, and the fans play a huge role in that. So may there not be violence. I'm really hoping there isn't. I kind of have a feeling there will be some. Hopefully the crowd trouble is manageable and, and doesn't really overshadow the game. We would just like to see loads of goals. And look, may, maybe Messi goes ahead and makes some magic, right? Maybe he... Uh, really announces himself in Ligue 1 with something special. That would be great to see. All right, let's continue southeast to Milan. Milano, where Inter play against Juventus in a titanic Serie A clash. I mean, this is this is going to be incredible. Mostly because I think the two sides are as evenly matched as they have been. You take out last season where Inter were just so, so hyper-focused on the title, and really the game's some of the games where they struggled were Juventus. Um, and Juve, look, they, they are a shadow of themselves at the moment, but they're coming back. So even though they started poorly, they had that win over Chelsea in turn in the Champions League a few weeks back. And that was, I wouldn't say the turning point, but I would say it's when results that had already started to go well, that just jacked up the confidence and made it so that now they've won eight of their nine games since that loss to Napoli back on September 11th. They went from the relegation zone after three games to now seventh after eight. So it's, it's a, a lot of progress. And their Champions League form has been excellent. They've got nine, they're nine for nine in terms of points. But it's still, they don't thump really anybody. I mean, they did thump Malmo, but Malmo are well out of their depths, shouldn't really be in the Champions League. And. Anybody that they've played against that's a difficult opponent, yes, they've shown how hard they are to beat, but you wonder where the goals are going to come from if, say, they fall behind or they or they fall too behind. Bonucci and Chiellini have been excellent still, which I think must frustrate some fans who want to see the end of those guys. <laughs> they just keep on going. Kulusevsky has been scoring goals up at number nine, which is really, really good. And then Chiesa, he just gets better and better every single game. His impact is becoming undeniable. I mean, he's uh, becoming a world star, this guy. Now, Inter, they started the season pretty well, right? And, they, and they've just beaten Sheriff on when, uh, in midweek on Wednesday, I believe it was, in the Champions League. And look, things are looking very positive for them in the wake of having lost so much of what they had last season. They lose Conte, who's seen as the driving force in the title. They lose Lukaku. Eriksen is still yet to come back. Everyone's question was, how's Lataro going to score goals without Romelu Lukaku? Well, the Nerazzurri have found a formula. It's really great to see Inzaghi getting this right. They sit third with 17 points. Juve have 14. So keep in mind, this is a this is a real legitimate six-pointer. But Lautaro, he looks really, really comfortable with that Injeco up there as a strike partner. Barella and Brozovic, they're still doing their thing in the midfield. They look excellent. And then you've got this string of defenders... Dumfries, DeVry, DeMarco, and Darmian. That's all the Ds. And then you get uh, uh, Skriniar and Bastoni added to that. There's a lot of versatility and a lot of solidity in there. Don't forget about Hando in the in the goal. They they really, really do look a solid side. And I, I think that if Inter can get their noses in front in this game, they have a really good chance of winning. But if Juve score first, this is also an Inter team that can get frustrated. And so... That, that's what's going to be compelling about this game. How's it going to start? What's going to happen? Will it be a thriller? I, I kind of doubt it. I, I think this will be more of a cagey affair. But 
it will be fascinating on a tactical level as most Italian, you know, classicos go. So let's uh, let's cross the Mediterranean. Let's take a little, let's take a boat and go over to Barcelona. Yes, El Clásico de la Liga. No Messi, no CR7, right? So now for new faces to shine in this fixture. Of course, there's names that have been here for a while. Karim Benzema, of course. But this, I'd say, is a real opportunity for Vinicius Jr., Ansu Fati, and obviously Memphis Depay as well to really put a stamp on this fixture. It needs a star. It always does, right? You go back forever, and there have always been key members of either team that have been the talk of the whole town at the end of this. You can go back to Maradona. You can go back to Laudrup. You can go back to Figo. And then, of course, the Messi and CR7 era. There's been a lot. And so this is going to be a very interesting game. And, I mean, what I really hope is that Komen doesn't end up getting all the spotlight afterwards. Obviously, I doubt Ancelotti's tactical decisions are going to be the talk of the town. It'd be more likely that people would go in on, on Ronald Komen. And did over the officials. I just hope that the refereeing does not stand in the way. I just want a spectacle and loads of goals. That's what we want. So Real Madrid have 17 points. Barca have 15. It's very, very obvious. A switch of places is possible or a five-point gap between the two. That's what's at stake. But what's curious about this Clásico is both teams are in this weird phase. They're both in a rebuild, right, because they've lost their megastars from before. They both are in financial trouble, Barcelona more than Real Madrid. And because of all this, you're kind of wondering, well, the fans are excited for the match, but are they extremely enthusiastic about their side? Enough questions are being asked about how both teams are doing and and how their future is going to be for the season that a lot of people are kind of looking to next season. Real Madrid fans going, well, when we can get Mbappe and Holland that's when things are going out. And, that's, and then we'll also get Pogba and you know, Galactico summer next year. For Barcelona, it's can we steady the ship, keep things together, and hopefully build something with the squad we have that makes us competitive again and can, can really rejuvenate this side. Because of all that trepidation between the players and the fans and the club and whatever's going on, I think everyone's just kind of waiting a little bit like with bated breath. Like we're not trying to build this up as too big of an event even though we're all extremely excited for it. And so that's why it's the strangest Clásico in years where you just don't really know if it's going to be the game that is going to live up to its billing. So hopefully it does. That That's, um, that's going to be the fascinating thing to see. And, I mean, just hope for goals. Hope for goals. All right, the final big game of the weekend will be uh, Man United versus Liverpool. How predictable is this? Goodness me. After watching midweek Liverpool floundering to beat 10-man Atletico Madrid, they're up 2-0. Then they can see two Antoine Griezmann goals. He gets himself red-carded. And Liverpool needed a penalty and a VAR decision to overturn a penalty call that would have gone Atleti's way to, to win this game. It really was not the greatest victory. Jurgen Klopp saying he didn't care how they win as long as they did. Well, it's it's going to matter this weekend against United because United, they went and beat Atalanta 3-2, having been two goals down. So strange turnarounds in both these games. But United looked awful in the first half. Atalanta looked themselves and were very, very good. When Demiral gets hurt and he gets subbed off, keep in mind, they didn't have Toloi, they didn't have Gosens. 
they started to struggle at a certain point, Atalanta, but the crowd at Old Trafford, my goodness. Now, that will be a factor this weekend. There's no question. They really, really picked the team up, and it was it was a fascinating turnaround. It was one of those Red Devils classic Fergie-style comeback from 2-0 down, and it happened with, you could just feel the wave of Old Trafford. You know, as you're watching this match, you're like, Atalanta are in so much trouble, <laughs> so much trouble. So Salah and Ronaldo, they're in sublime form. Mane and Fernandez are pitching in as well. But then you've got Maguire and Van Dyke, who are really having all kinds of issues. Every single game, they're under fire. De Gea is back. Meanwhile, Allison is looking a little shaky. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the hot seat, out of the hot seat, one week after another. We don't really know what's going on. Jurgen Klopp looks, you know, younger and more excited now that he's gotten his LASIK and uh, a season with fans in the crowd. So there, there's a lot going on. But here, I have a few questions for this game. First of all, what will Ole Gunnar Solskjaer set up as his lineup for the team? And really, more importantly, what's he going to do with his midfield? Are we going to see Pogba or are we going to see Macfred? I'm curious. I'm really curious about that. Leading into that, who's going to win the midfield battle? Which team? Because the team that wins it, I think, wins this game. Or does that even matter? Question number three. Does it matter who wins the midfield battle? Because if Liverpool just have a ton of possession and just get hit on the break, the midfield doesn't matter. So that's going to be really, really fascinating. And then finally, good question. Which players are going to produce the moments of magic that are that it's going to take to win this game? There's so many stars on show. So many. Should I do predictions on this? Nah. I'll, I'll tell you why. These games are fascinating and compelling to watch primarily because we don't know what's going to happen because they are so unpredictable. Anything can occur from one moment to the next. A player can do something brilliant. When juggernauts like this face off, just grab a hold of your seat and enjoy the ride. I want to wish best of luck to all of you out there who are actual fans of any of these teams, hardcore supporters who have talked a lot of trash this week to your friends. I wish you all the best and, um, you know, hope you just enjoy the Sunday fun day that is Classico Weekend in Football. This is Campfire Football, everybody. I'm Sebastian North. Have a great weekend.